everyone, and welcome back to Talking in Stations. Today we are streaming live on Monday instead of Sunday. Yesterday was Easter, so happy Easter if you celebrate. And if not, then I hope you're hopefully your work and or school probably had a day off. But thank you for joining us now. I'm I'm your host, Rain, like I said, and I'm joined by Artemis, who's doing the production and the engineering. And then we also have our guest, Shen, who is a, he says, a NullSec expert. I'm kidding, Shen. I'm giving you more credit than you probably want to have carrying on yourself for this. But uh, we're, we're here to listen to Shen's input on some of the, some of the changes coming up because he's one of the industry folks we have. We're not going to jump too deep into it. That will be covered more next week. This week, we're talking a bit of player news, but then we're also talking focus more on the new patch that just came out, the Siege Green one, as well as a little bit of the MER. I ran through that really, really quick. So let's jump over into player news. The new stuff, there's been a lot of hot topics this weekend. I would say, I don't know if I'd call it drama, but a lot of interesting player news. That's both good and bad. We'll start with probably the more sad news, which is the Bastion disbanding. So Carneros, who is also a part of TIS, and then he was also a part of CCP, and just as the alliance leader, or yeah, the alliance leader of the Bastion, I almost called him a corp leader. He probably is a corp leader too but more known as the Alliance Leader of the Bastion. He recently moved on to some more real life real life changes. I would say, I believe he actually publicly announced that he's getting a new job. Obviously, that's going to take a huge part of his focus. And anyone who knows Eve knows that running an alliance is also a job just on its own, which you, I don't think, get compensated for probably as much as real life. So he said that on May 6th, which will be the eighth anniversary of Bastion's founding, that it will be closing its doors. Yeah, the the one thing that I'm super happy to see about this is that Carneros isn't, like, quitting EVE. I feel like Carneros is one of those players who would never quit EVE, but, I mean, it happens sometimes, especially when real life gets super busy for you. In this case, he announced specifically that the corporations in the Bastion are going to continue to remain in the Imperium. The majority of them are going to be going to Goonswarm proper, and he himself is going to be collapsing some members into another a corp of his own and will continue to lead that corp in Goonswarm. So he is still going to be a leader within Goonswarm itself, just not an alliance leader and instead being a corporation leader within Goonswarm, which is really cool to see. He's still going to be playing the game, all of his like friend group and everything. So get to see him and play with him when he has the free time. Yeah, I have a couple folks. So Dominarch, he ran uh, the Clueless Space Nerds podcast. So he's in the Bastion now. But as far as I know, all the folks are like, they all understand, like life happens. And as far as I'm aware, Bastion, there's a thing within the game where you can actually close, close an alliance. I don't think that's truly happening. It's probably just going to what people call go on ice where they just, you know, kind of leave the alliance empty, but, you know, still retain ownership of it. So then that way, if real life was to change for Carneros to where he maybe have some more time, he could always come back and open it up and take on more in-game responsibility if he would like. So I know, I know a lot of people are bummed. Bastion was kind of one of those older alliances, at least maybe to me, maybe I'm new, but like to me, it's always been one of those older alliances that feels like that's been around forever. So seeing, it's always sad seeing alliances close, but it's good to know that players aren't quitting because of it, that they're just kind of shifting around and, maybe, you know, changing changing the banner they fly under. But even though, like, this one's Imperium still, but that's that's always good, in my opinion, that folks are continuing to play the game. Yeah, and even if you're not a member of the Bastion or of the Imperium and this doesn't impact you directly, I think it is going to result in a change to the landscape of Fountain. So the Bastion currently holds multiple constellations of Sov 
in Fountain. And of course, they participate in utilizing that space for ISK making purposes, but also joining the defense fleets within it. So I am personally interested to see if Init expands to take that solve and just Fountain is in its territory now in its entirety. Or if we're going to see another member alliance of the Imperium step up to take that space and fill the hole that Bastion was leaving. Bastion taking a portion of Fountain, I believe it was publicly stated back in the day that it was sort of a campaign to, to revitalize the alliance when they had a low activity pre-Vietnam. They wanted to just go and show that they could run a campaign on their own, even without the support of the Imperium behind them. And so they went forward to try and do that, and it breathed new life into So it'll be interesting to see what that landscape looks like, how the Imperium decides to handle that new Sov. I'm not sure it will open up any opportunities for any other group to come in and take it. None of the big powers who could stand up to Initiative's super capital fleet have an interest, I think, in picking a fight with the Imperium right now. So I, I don't think anything crazy is going to happen there, especially because they can do a coordinated drop to solve, pick it back up with whoever they like to. But it'll be certainly interesting to see if maybe we see a new alliance from the Imperium stepping up and, and filling that hole. That's what I'm personally hopeful for. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see too, especially I know with like, so I think of my friend Dominark, he's like a Diplo within Bastion. So going from, you know, sort of this, I would almost call it like alliance leadership. I'm not really sure the logistics of Bastion, but to me, like being a Diplo's alliance leadership, but going from alliance leadership to then maybe being just a normal court member, I wonder if some of those folks will, you know, maybe be relieved to have that or if they'll be looking for more. So maybe we'll see some of those members kind of work their way up through like Goon Swarm Federation or one of the other alliances that they may be joining with an Imperium. So that, that will also be interesting to see because like you said, maybe they just make their own alliance again and then that way, that way, Carneros can always have the Bastion for himself, but then all these other groups can kind of maybe make a name. Yeah, I mean, Carneros has talked a lot about how much he relies on the leadership in his alliance and how it is a very few people doing a lot, a lot of work. Given that these individuals have shown that they are capable and that they are trustworthy, I would not be surprised if they quickly rise into leadership positions again, wherever they happen to land if that's something they're interested in. As you mentioned, it is very stressful. It is a lot of work. And so they may be relieved to take a bit of a break from that. But there is no doubt that somebody who was capable of being an alliance leader, especially an alliance like the Bastion and earned that trust over years, will be able to find a home again if they want to. Yeah, for sure. So that's Bastion. I feel like I feel like when normally normally when alliances close doors, there's a lot more hubbub around it. But I think Carneros did a really stellar job with announcing this one, I think like everyone shared the post where he announced it, and like that was the end of it, like end of discussion. And I say that because now we're going to switch talking about Winter Coalition, which is a coalition of multiple alliances. But this one seemed to have a lot more buzz and potential. I would say I would say drama, even though I don't really like talking about drama. But this one, I felt felt like there was more talk about what was happening within Winterco and within Fraternity than there was in Bastion. And so Winterco has come out over the weekend with a couple announcements of changing of their structure. So Winterco is led by Fraternity, which is an alliance led by Noros, their leader, their CEO. And he announced, I would say, multiple changes. I remember seeing some of the screenshots because I'm not in Winterco. I don't see any of those. But people sharing the screenshots and the communications from Noros. And it was multiple paragraphs long. So obviously it sounded like he was doing some spring cleaning and communicating. But he said the big changes that he announced were 
the founding two founding alliances, which is Lord of Worlds and Destiny's Call, are being removed from the coalition. And it sounds dramatic, but like to me, I think this is just like to me, I call it spring cleaning because he says their leadership is pretty inactive and they have low contribution from the line members. So that just sounds like a group just maybe needs like maybe the alliance themselves isn't closing their doors, but maybe they just need to be put on ice for a while. And so that's I don't know. I don't think that was super drama, y especially because Noros and Fraternity gave them a month to evacuate. Usually if there's something dramatic about like a backstab or disagreement or something along those lines, it's usually pretty sudden. But this one just seems pretty straightforward. I mean, there is. Go ahead, Shan. Did you have some thoughts? Well, we saw, I don't this is also part of the news, which is, if you will remember, it's a 4-tag-H, the capital system for fraternity. Yeah. The iHub on that thing got self-destructed, and it's all part of related in Norris. It's, well, it's basically in protest of Norris not updating the forum um, for his post stuff. And then uh, we, like, there's the audio recording for the comms. It's basically one of the directors saying, oh, I'm, I'm just going to do this out of the po- uh, protest. And then he did this and somehow didn't reset the what canceled the self-destruction timer and then right after that and then each, when the co members just saw so i helping four tag is just got destroyed like as simple as that but it's uh, it's not that yeah. drama but it's just a little bit fun things to cc so they're out of i'm pretty sure jump bridge and sino jammer for the next week or month i think for jump bridge is a month uh, for sino jammer things for a week or a few weeks at least yeah and uh- and that was within fraternity itself too, right? The the director that had that did that they weren't part of Lords or Lord or Destiny's Call, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's like a fraternity director. Yeah. So so some of that I know we only have a little bit of a little bit to discuss here for the Winter Co, but I have a feeling that within the month as these old alliances or not old alliances and active alliances are moving out. We might see something within fraternity and winter co. So I figure we could save the, the entire discussion of maybe everything, all the background or the, I don't know if you want to call it drama, but all of it for another discussion too. get some winter co folks on online and, and to discuss it and whatnot. Cause I feel, I feel like maybe this is just me being an outsider, but I feel like we're missing a lot. Cause to me, I'm like, Oh, this is super simple. But like you're calling out Shen, you're like, well, the iHub was destroyed. There's a recording, which means someone, you know, like a spy recorded it and leaked it. So it feels like there's a lot more to this story that we still aren't privy to. So I'm, I'm anticipating this to be bigger later on. Yeah. There's a question from chat. Does it pause the cat production? It does, but it can resume as soon as everything gets back online. One final point I want to make, like, these kind of moves all happening at once is the sort of the tipping point between drama and politics. So we are we're definitely going to want to have somebody from the inside who can speak to it. Obviously, they're going to have their side of things. I'm sure you could hear the giddiness in Shen's voice as he talked about this as a longtime enemy of fraternity. But this is this is the fun part of Eve Online, where you've got backroom conversations and drama that actually turns into real political machinations. 
I do want to bring up one final thing, which is that within Fraternity, they're known for their Chinese player base, but they also have a fairly large English-speaking player base. And so even within the interworkings of the Chinese side of things, and you have the English-speaking side who might be operating in a different time zone as well, just adding to the opportunities for confusion or for discontentment and things like that. So it is a, a very... There, are, I see from the outside looking in a lot of opportunities for things to go wrong, and it is quite the task for Noros and his team to, to keep a handle on things. We'll have to see how they're able to, to manage it with all the moves. Yeah, a coalition, as far as I'm aware, running a coalition or being able to do any sort of leadership in a coalition is a lot of effort. And like we were talking about earlier with Carneros, like Carneros just has a second job running an alliance, which is why he stepped back from it. It's like a whole other level with a coalition. So, I mean, some of this stuff normally happens i would say there's like nothing is forever within eve besides ideally eve forever right but within alliances and coalitions and even corporations people move around people come and go so some of this stuff isn't like it's expected like we would never expect you know winter code to stay the same forever same as when i expect of many other alliances or coalitions too so that's where that's where i'm like very curious to see what's the politics behind it because to me I'm like, oh, it's normal. But to the people who are more experienced in this stuff, they're like, they're like chomping at the bit to talk about all the drama of why stuff is happening. <laughs> I'm quickly looking up to see how this might affect Sob holding. If any of these groups or if Lord of Worlds or Destiny's Call own any iHubs. But it seems to me that when Fraternity and Winter Coalition took over their new space up in the north, Fraternity took all of the iHubs, so they are managing them all. And then Lord of Worlds, even Blades of Grass, other member alliances within Winterco just have TCUs. Which is something we saw, I want to say it was the Imperium do first when they moved down to Delve. And it was a lesson learned from World War B number one, where they struggled to really put together a defense for some of their regions of sovereignty because it was held by an individual member alliance. And with the solve mechanics under Fozzy solve, you have to have a member of that member alliance to do the defensive nodes. So just groups began to use the strategy of you keep the iHubs under your strongest group, and then the TCUs can be for the member alliances to put a flag in space and as a recruitment tool, that sort of thing. So I would be surprised if we see any sort of major solve moves or opportunities for an attack here, unlike the situation with the Bastion, where they held both TCUs and iHub, so it's a bit more complicated. Indexes reset, production, jump bridge networks go offline, that sort of thing. Yeah, props to all the logistics folks in these alliances because organizing that is insane on its own. I know within World War B too, like this is a huge point to what you just said, Artemis. We would, so as part of Pappy, when you're offensively attacking, anyone can entosis. And what we would notice is that some iHubs that would have, and like allied was allied alliances and tosising them, but it would count as an attack, not a defense, because they weren't in within that holding alliance. So that's where it's critical. And I'm I'm one of those strong opinion that TCUs don't matter. So I get why some of the alliances have it because they want it for the name. But I, I was hoping at some point CCP would revamp it so TCUs had a purpose besides just saying who owns the SOV. I mean, FanFest is coming up and CCP has put out a bunch of other changes people have been asking for. Who knows? Fingers crossed, I know. right? I know. Hint, hint, wink, wink, CCP. All right. So uh, as for as for the TCU, so within Imperium, both of them um, exist. So if you look at period basis, 
Goons has CI Hub and then IGC has a TCU. But in other places like Couriers and Fountain, in Couriers is, I think, both Dracarius and Siberian Squad have the IHUB and the TCU, and for Fountain is Init and Bastion, basically. Nice. Yep. Okay. All right. And so then our next topic moves away from NullSec and actually goes into LowSec. So I know we had Eden Trade on the show before, who talked about running, I think it was, how did he phrase, like those small market hubs. So the non-traditional, like the non-traditional player markets like Jita or Amar, but he ran the smaller market hubs. And he's actually going and seeding other markets out in low sec. So he has made, he traditionally did high sec and now he's moving into low sec. And so he expanded the market to include Tama, or I say Tama, Tama, which is- Oh, oh God, come on, Rain, Tama. So we have a town in my, my state called Tama. Mm-hmm. So, so and this is this is a system in the in the video game called Eve Online. I it's know, called Tama. I know, Please. I know. But it's five jumps. It's five jumps from Jita, and it's notoriously gate camped by the <laughs> by. But I want to say like literally everyone. I feel like every time I go through there, there's a gate camp or a smart bombing camp. In case you don't, you aren't aware. And then Rakapass, which is also in low sec. And I think Kaldari controlled space or conditionally mm-hmm. traditionally Kaldari space. And that's the home system of Snuffed Out, where Eden Train has Eden Trade has PvP characters. So it kind of makes sense that he's actually seeding the market there, rather than just to his alliance mates who may not buy things, but to actual to the public. But those two systems. So if you're ever in low sec and you need a ship or some fits, you can go check out those Tama and Rakapas. So highly recommend. I know I lo- I PvP out there. And one time I think I bought something off the market and the person DM'd me and said, hey, do you need more of these? I will bring you more. And I said, no, I was just changing my fit. So I kind of felt bad. But I would say more more market activity, especially in places where there's a lot of PvP activity, is always good. Yeah, and Tama in particular, the reason it is such a hotspot, you can see how big it is on the map if we filter Dotland as ship and pod kills in the last 24 hours. Like, it is the only red system here. The only thing close is Yuidama over in Highsec, and Tama still blows it out of the water. One of the big reasons for that is a lot of players will fit up their PvP ships in Jita and then go to the nearest faction warfare place to PvP. And if you just set Desto from Jita to the closest faction warfare area, you're going through Tama. It is very close. It is directly on the line. There is a back way through in Kanaka, which used to be like the home of waffles. And so you would have an interesting an interesting choice to make of do you want to go through Kanaka to avoid the Tama camp and run into potentially a waffles camp or something like that? Or do you want to just go through Tama and YOLO? On top of that, because it's so close to Jita, it's also a destination for a lot of NPSI fleets. I know as I was learning to PvP, that was you'd always just go to Tama because there would either be a gate camp or you would become the gate camp. Then there was there was going to be content. So it was fantastic. I am personally never going to buy a single thing in Rakapas. I feel like that is just asking to get ganked on the way. I'm sure Snuff are wringing their hands about oh boy, new customers to kill. It depends, I suppose, on how things go, but I, I would not if you see something listed on the market in Rakapas, I would urge you to not take it unless your blue is snuffed out. And even then, they might just kill you on some alts, so. Yeah, it'll be exciting. 
especially, I mean, if you're doing some of these systems, so Tom is going to be difficult to get through with gate camps, but Rocket Pass, if you got a dock and undock, you can always make undock bookmarks. That might be something to do on, I don't know, like a shuttle or a pot. Maybe no, shuttles are valuable now, right? Maybe more like a rookie ship. You just undock and give yourself a bookmark. For those unfamiliar, yeah. what, what do those bookmarks mean? So the bookmark is so when you undock, so as your ship undocks, you have speed and momentum. And so the bookmark is you just control B out in space. And so you're automatically aligned to it because it's projected away from the undock. So you can right click warp while you're still in Vuln and then you just instantly warp to it. The alternative, so which I was talking about with Tama, is you have a ship that aligns faster than two seconds. And then that way you avoid insta locking camps for the most part. If you see hello meow in local, he will still be able to lock you. It's cheating, I swear to God. It makes me so salty. Like I have so many of my kills or my my ship kills, but but the alter, but when you have that, that's because you're jumping into Tama, so you're you start at zero and you're cloaked. Whereas when you undock from a station, you can't rely on that because you have that momentum, so your line can sometimes take longer. And I know I've died like that because I'm like, well, why didn't I insta warp? And it's like, oh, because I'm still using momentum, and it's super obnoxious. The hidden mechanics of you online. Fun times. Yeah. I say them and now someone's going to be like, Rain, you're actually, you're wrong. And I'm so, but that's, that was always my understanding of it all. It's use also it, worth, go ahead. I was just going to say, use auto, use the um, undock, undock bookmarks, regardless of what system you're into, like for Jita as well. Always advisable. Absolutely. And with Tama, if you think you're going to be safe just by cloaking, it is one of those systems which is notorious for having lots of abandoned drones or cargo containers around 12 kilometers around the entire like sphere of the Stargate, so that as you jump into system, you're probably landing within 2,500 meters of something, and you won't be able to cloak after you begin to move your ship to a line out. Yeah, that's a good call. And sometimes... Sometimes that sounds like it's deliberate by the hostiles gate camping, and sometimes that's just, that's just because they've been gate camping all day. So those are the wrecks and the pod, all the wrecks and the debris of all the other people who have died trying to get through the gate camp. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of how to avoid dying, as we're discussing this, you should never undock what you can't afford to lose. So we have a Raiju here. Killed actually in perimeter, which is high sec, meaning it was either a war deck or a suicide gank. But my guess is gank. I think that's what everyone was talking about. Mm -hmm. If you look at the folks who killed it, they sacrificed a lot to gank it. So this was not a bunch of catalysts killing a Raiju. It was actually, what was it, Loki's? I think I saw a Varger on the kill mail. So this is, who is it? So he was within Black Flag. So Black Flag's one of those high sec war deck corps. And he was using it to kind of flex on all the locals to kill war deck targets and then he got baited by von hole and friends so as you see on the kill mail there's a bunch of folks who know what they were doing this is not just a random encounter they actually hunted him down and made sure they could, they could kill him and actually caught him and murdered him yeah and it, it was a gank it was a very expensive one you can see that they all all of their lokis and the varger did die to concord afterwards and these weren't cheap like they're abyssal roll gyros like volta fly fancy but even still, it's worth it to kill an AT ship. Yeah, and I think their bait that they were using, was it actually an Orca? It was one of the big mining barges. So, yeah, like the biggest flex ever is like, teehee guys, look at my ship. Oh no, please don't kill me. Oh, he was an initiative too. So that's even more like like unsuspecting as well. That was super impressive by Von Hole and friends. Right on. Yeah, there's also, oh, it's also worth pointing out, I've seen this discussion a lot. There's been a report saying he got it, 
reimbursed by a GM. It's been the policy for CCP and GMs for years to never reimburse AT ships. We know this because I've had lots of friends lose them to verifiable bugs, as in they have video and audio of the bugs, and CCP has refused to reimburse them. So one random dude dying in HiSec is definitely not going to get it reimbursed. So control your anger every time you see somebody post false news on Reddit, which is all the time. Don't use Reddit. It's photoshopped. I can tell by the pixels. Yeah. Well, I don't even need to see a Photoshop. Somebody tells me that. I'm like, nah, dude, that's fake. CCP doesn't do that. Because if they did, you know what would happen? Every single other person who's lost an AT ship to an actual bug would say, well, you reimbursed this guy. Why can't I get mine back? And then CCP would have to go back on it. So I'm not too worried. And that's also an officer mod as a low slot, pretty sure. Yep, and all those is. like abyssal <laughs> ones, it's like they're at least like this space to like officer road. Yeah, that's impressive. Expensive stuff. The power diagnosis system? Yeah. So not... Oh, it actually dropped too. I wonder if... Actually, I don't know who would have gotten it because I think I think these high set corps always have like alts to loot the wrecks so then that way they can get away with it. Yeah, I'm trying to see if anybody scooped it and then got blasted. I think what they do is they run through, let's say... Deep space transport or something that just right on the gate, just grab the yeah. stuff and either jump or just instant warp out. Yeah, that's what I'm pretty sure what they do. So it probably was looted and taken to safety. All right, what's next on the docket? That was player news. Unless you guys had something that wasn't on the agenda that you want to touch on, or because then we can go to game news. Let's talk game news. There is a lot of game news to talk about. Yeah, last week was ripe with updates. We had. The MER and then a major patch come out. Well, no, the patch is not out yet. A major patch blog, dev blog, to say it's coming out. So we have Siege Green. Don't be confused. That is not the alliance within the game. It is the actual up name of the update. So Siege Green coming out, which is the capital manufacturing, was it the capital manufacturing and industry update that CCP has been telling us is coming, quote unquote, soon. And so here it actually is. And then there's also more updates to structures. So the big thing to note, and I'm going to let Shen take this over, but the big thing to note I know of is that capitals are changing to become cheaper and to don't build capitals yet until this patch is in. But I know, Shen, you had some more, I would say, probably sophisticated yep. <laughs> and expert opinion thoughts. So no pressure. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, first of all, to everyone out there, cheap, the ships are getting cheaper. That's for sure. especially. Those faction ones and, and the capital ones. Okay, so we have two scenarios here. One is the faction ship, one is the capital ship. For the capital ships, so an example we're going to look at is, let's say, a dread, a revelation. So the revelation right now is made of what I would call like two, two kinds of components. One is a capital component, so it's a standard capital component that we see. Uh, things like capital siege array, capital Zhongbei, and capital well, not on dread but on carrier. But let's say capital turret long turret, uh, capital turret launcher point or something like that. So those things are the things that used to be on capital sh uh, ships, but they used to be pure. But through last year's update, it got changed to minerals, plasma wormhole gas, plasma. Some of them has P4 PIs in it. Those things didn't change. So the, the way you build components are exactly the same. The numbers are the same, but the amount of components that you need got cut, and it got cut pretty significantly. 
just for like a reference, let me see if you can find one here. Oh yeah, for, for Revelation, it used to cost 45 capital CG, right? right? Right now it costs 20. It used to cost 20 armor capital uh, armor plates, right now it costs five. So a lot of the numbers got cut very, very significantly. Like right now, some like the capital jump drive is 10 and now it costs two. So it got cut by like more than 50%. But those things is not the majority of the price. Majority price comes in with the auto integrity preservation CU and the life support backup unit, which are two things that got added from last year's uh, update. So one thing with those two components, they're not like the majority of the uh, parts, but they, they do make up a decent amount of it. Their product product go tripled, which means that you use the same amount of materials that you put into the same amount of runs that you put into one blueprint, you get three times out of the outcome compared to like right now on TQ. And the amount of the required also got slashed. So you have the double benefit, I guess. So make it, it costs much less compared to what it costs. Right. Another change so, that they did. Yeah. So overall then, the just the input cost of everything in the capitals and faction ships are going down then. Is that is that like the summarized the summarized report? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and another part is that it's like the capital core temperature regulator. What it used to require is two uh, hundred and fifty core temperature regulator, which is the thing that you put on battleships or uh, yeah the battleships, and now it requires a hundred. And that's also a big part of the cost as well. So I'm hearing you uh, use a lot of these numbers, but it sounds like everything got cut by almost at least 50%, if not more. Yes, for the capital ships. For the super okay. caps, it's not that to that extent. It's much less, though Like the, the numbers are bigger, right? It went from 190 billion cost to, for Titan to 120. Uh, it's the 70 bill decrease or somewhere around there, but it's still 120 bill. That's still a huge amount of money. So it still costs a lot, just not an outrageous yeah. amount then. Okay. Yeah. But the price for a capital or standard capital ships, it got cut more than half, basically. Yeah, and even faction and pirate ships were cut down as well. If you're interested, we are going to be doing a much deeper dive on these sorts of changes this coming Sunday with some other industrial guests, just rolling through the 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 nitty-gritty of potential impacts on just about everything. When you when you touch industry and manufacturing in EVE, you're effectively touching everything because it's even the backbone of the largest coalition when they have their fights. But these changes are so complex. There are multiple spreadsheets, long forum posts, long discussions. It's going to be difficult and take time to suss out exactly what those impacts could be, let alone there is still the opportunity for CCP to take feedback from the players and make some adjustments. So we are going to be continuing to deep dive these. We have some industrial experts such as Shen digging into the numbers, seeing what we can get for you in terms of like actionable predictions. But suffice to say, prices are going to be going down across the board for faction ships and for capitals. So if you have them and the prices are high, I would recommend selling them, right? Yeah, so sell your stuff if you have it. Don't buy it if you want it because it's going to go down. And I think it's worth pointing out. So you're sharing. So there was a blog post or the dev blog, and it was actually pretty short, but it linked to that forum post you were showing by CCP Aurora. 
And there's two things I think that are worth calling out. So she highlights what the overall goal of the change is, but then she actually puts in the spreadsheet. So I think, Shen, is that what you were reading off of? Was that spreadsheet to actually like figure out the numbers and the math and everything? It's that spreadsheet's not visual enough because you have to compare last year's spreadsheet and this year's spreadsheet together. What's more visual enough is Hobo Weeks. It literally shows oh, okay. the old material costs, the new material costs, and what what got cut, but how much. Okay, so it's very, awesome. very visual on, on Hobo Weeks. Yeah, so, another another great change too is they updated the SDE, which is like the the backend database for third party tool devs to to pull their info and make fancy tools. So I know Eve Cookbook is one of them that has updated since the new changes, but something to be careful if you're using those third-party tools to look into this is some of them haven't updated all the way down, if you will. So they're only updating the manufacturing requirements at the top end, but if subcomponents had changes, the subcomponent changes aren't working their way up. So just be careful with your blueprints. Make sure that you're not looking at a number at the face of it and then screaming that the sky is falling, like double check your numbers all the way down, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a good call. And then the post, yeah, so there, right there, the, it ends with this post is a call for feedback. So I know personally, I am terrible at industry. I can barely mine and reprocess tr like feldspar into tritanium. So I will not be providing feedback, but if you are someone like Shin who is really into this and you know it, or like Nick Nick Bison in chat, if you guys know this stuff, give CCP your feedback, give them the information that they want or your your input, constructive, appreciative, whatever it may be, because CCP has been showing that they're actually responding a lot to this feedback. And so I, as somebody who uses all of the industry stuff to PVP, I want you guys to be able to get what you need so that I can keep getting supplied with ships to blow up. Absolutely. All right. So one advice I would give right now, which is if you look at the GTA market with a lot of the components needed in a lot of those like capital components, other subcomponents, let's say, those things are skyrocketing in price because people are buying them to be ready to build stuff. So don't panic. Uh, don't go into the market right now. Some of them got overinflated in price. Uh, the ships. So last year, this time, what we saw is the ships got overinflated in price. And, and also the minerals because people were panic buying. There's a month of time basically uh, for people to, to buy it up, uh, to, to build up. So they're panic buying everything. But this year, people are panic selling ships, but panic buying materials. So if, you're, if you have a lot of ships, sell right now. It's, the price, some of them is going to drop in price, like the faction battleships especially. But if, if you're a builder, don't rush to the market right now. It's, you're going to get a lot of high-priced stuff. Yeah, and everything I've been hearing. So not being an industry person, I know, Shen, yourself as an industrialist and others have been saying, nobody's building capital. So I can see why people are anticipating this. Because it sounds like, from my perspective, it sounds like people haven't been building capitals for, I don't know, a year or so, which... I kind of found difficult to believe, but I'm not an industrialist, but it sounds like everyone's going to be mass producing them the moment this change hits. Yeah, I still remember the show we did after the industrial exchanges came out and the title was literally Stop Building Capitals. It was just a bad idea. We, I think we had Ravendale on who has another fantastic industrial website for like calculating builds and it really gives a great visual display of all the components that go into the capitals as an example, but it has been uh, hard times if you wanted to build capitals as a goal for a while now. Yeah, and also for those prices, to be fair, the price is 
So the build price is very similar to the stock price that we have right now. So people who are panic selling, I wouldn't say it's necessary a lot of times because uh, like not within supercast, but for capitals. What from what I'm seeing is CCP essentially brought the build class to the stock price. And I feel like they think the stock price is a good good price right now. And from I think their end, they can see how many capitals are left. And they're saying, oh, it's time for people to start building. And the cost that we think is, is good enough. And I think this is a cost that is enough. It's around three bill for standard capital, basically. For super caps, for super carriers, about 30, I remember correctly. And then for Titan, it's around like 120 right now. All right. I know uh, we're itching to get over to the structure changes, but I do want to make one final point on this, and that is a bit of a, a retrospective to place this discussion in context. Before the initial set of industry changes that made capital prices skyrocket, if CCP ever wanted to make changes to the cost of caps and super caps, they would have to make changes to the the amount of T1 minerals and the amount of T1 minerals that went into them, which would in turn affect all of the rest of your Tech 1 ships and your battleships and your cruisers and everything. So it is fantastic to see in this particular case that we can have a whole discussion with lots of intricate detail on how can we adjust and fine tune these higher end ships and their costs and how that impacts gameplay without having collateral damage on Tech 1 and all of the other industry involved there. So it's great that those are finally decoupled and we're seeing that benefit here where we can make these changes without completely screwing everything else up. Now that's good to put it in context and hopefully we can have more of that discussion to this Sunday because I, I kind of want to see like a comparison of like during prosperity, during scarcity, and then future state, potential future state of prices of things and costs and whatnot because I think that will help like as an EVE player, it's very easy to kind of forget the history of where things have been. So getting some of that perspective is good. Speaking well, of collateral damage, yeah. do we want to talk structures? Yeah, I was going to make that segue, but I didn't want Stolen. to Stolen. Stolen. I feel like the poor wormholers have been impacted too much. So collateral damage, wormholers, and structures. So CCP, as part of their continuous update or continuous reiteration on structures, they actually have more updates. So we had some, oh, geez, when was, was it last month or like a couple of weeks ago, it felt like, to change some of the modules and ammo types and whatnot. I say ammo types and to add ammo within structures. And now they have more. This one's more around the, the reinforcement mechanics and there are changes there. So Artemis has them highlighted. The big thing to note is that Medium structures will, oh, actually, I, this would be me just reading it. But medium structures will have their whole reinforcement timer removed. So that's those Astra houses. Instead of having three timers that you have to go to, one including the shield, you only have two. And then their shield damage cap is removed. So a lot of what players have been giving feedback and CCP has noticed is that when you go to structure bash and you're fighting over a shield timer, many times people aren't going to form. And that's simply because they get a notification at 95%. And if you're wanting to fight, you usually at least have a fleet already there. And so they may have to flash form. And not every group is good at flash forming, let alone wanting to fight over a random structure that's probably not their home, their home structure. So they completely remove the shield damage cap, which allows, I believe someone said, what was it, like a single super carrier fully fit for it, can do it in like a minute or something like that, something crazy, crazy fast. 
There's also, like, from the wormhole perspective, just fleets of marauders can go in and do it in a single bastion cycle. It's insane. Yeah. I do want to make a quick point of clarification, because I saw some confusion on Reddit, in our Discord, also on the forums. When they mention medium structures, that is the Astrahas, the Raitaru, and the Athenor. It does not include the flex structures, which are your jump bridges and your Sino jammers. So don't worry, you can't one-shot a fully powered Sino jammer or jump bridge that, that still has its full cycle as you would expect. This is purely those three. That being said, I think the removal of the shield damage cap does apply to the flex structures, unless I'm mistaken. So those will be faster to bleed through or blow through as well. I'll have to double check the mechanics while you guys have a discussion, but I think there is still the damage cap on the armor, which does put a, a minimum floor on how much time you have to spend reinforcing a jump bridge, as an example. Yeah, that might be true. I actually haven't looked at any of the flex structure um, discussions, but that would make sense because many times, like if people do want fights, they're not going to shoot an Astra House or a Fortizar, they're going to shoot a jump bridge because then it makes it's a thousand times easier to get someone to respond to shooting a jump bridge because if you reinforce it, it turns off so they can't use it anymore. So that would that would make a bit more sense for people attempting to do that. Although I also maybe I'm being modest or naive, but I don't see anyone dropping capitals on like a like a maybe a sino jammer would make sense but not for like a single reinforced jump gate or something like that that I mean, would be people maybe. already do it on astrahouses and so, yes absolutely i, I, I mean no. i mean flex structures though like i don't like a sino jammer and you're just reinforcing it like you're gonna drop a dread like i don't know if i'd see that not a dread because you don't need one that the time you're gonna spend on grid is too short for a dread siege cycle but a super which can just align out or jump out absolutely Depending on the space, of course. Like, nobody's going to go into PanFam space and drop a super on a jump bridge. But maybe if you're out in Aquarius or if you're over in Fire Coalition space and you're feeling cheeky, you might do it. We certainly have seen it in the past with as regions get glassed, for an example. People will go out with their carriers or their super carriers and just That's bash fair, these yeah. things. Yeah, so I guess I just want to say, we're how we're gonna drop a super or a capital on a sino jammer? Isn't that means the system's jammed already? You just well, jump no, it the could gate be... and warp it. Hello. <laughs> well, that's that's a little PL member speaking there. They could be <laughs> online and fueled and not active. You can have active sino jammers, and you can have three of them too. So it's it's entirely possible to do it. Just yeah. not likely. Yeah. Because I think what you would do then is you would drop on the first Sino Jammer. So I say drop. You'd use the subcat fleet on the first Sino Jammer, reinforce it, which means it turns off, and then you would then you'd be able to Sino. I may be misstating that, but that would be my thoughts. So Icon in chat is asking when the structure changes are coming out, and as far as I know, I don't know. I had heard there would be an, another update in April, but I don't know if CCP is going to push this out because it would happen before within the next couple of weeks, or if they're going to wait till FanFest to get feedback from folks. And my guess is the latter. It makes more sense that they would push something out like this, especially because this is a, I would say, a dramatic change, I think is kind of the best way to phrase it, because it's a, it's really drastic, especially when we were talking earlier about wormholders being impacted. But that, that would make more sense where they would release it and then and then allow folks to share that feedback at FanFest. Maybe they're going to announce more at FanFest as well related to structures and then actually pushing it all out in one big update. Yeah, can we can we talk wormholes? Because I'm, I'm itching, I'm ready to go. All right, you can talk about wormholes because so I'm a null-sec player. So to me, I'm like, oh, these are just make things easier when uncontested. But how does it impact wormholers? 
before I dive into this, Shen, it felt like you had something to say, and I want to let you get your word in, because after I start talking, I'm not going to stop. Oh, yeah, I would say this will make, at least right now for us, make glassing regions a little bit easier in terms of restarting the timers with like, we can go out with smaller fleets, some smaller numbers, especially, I mean, the Chinese alliance are off time zone, EU and US time zone. We can we have much smaller fleets, but if we do bring, let's say, bombers or kikis, those are much easier to, to reinforce those medium structures and make progress. But other than that, I mean, nano supers, I guess, is, has another use, technically, to reinforce medium structures in some hostile space. But other than that, I think is Also, there's only one timer, right? On a medium structure instead of two. Yeah. So it's just be one timer, and that's be the final timer for all medium structures. So it's, it's, I think that means more CTAs, I guess, for, for structures, since like, it's like, Either you either you protect the structure at this timer, or you just don't protect it at all. Yeah, that's that's a good call too. I know I was kind of poking fun at I think the the Imperium folks down in Faithabolus because they've been burning the region, like killing all the structures down there. And it's like, well, you know, this change would have like this change would have made their job way easier. And it kind of sucks that they had to do all that. Same with like Vietnam. Like we've been we bashed tons of structures or back during glassing of tribute, like all this stuff. I think every alliance and every coalition has had experience of, yeah, we fought uncontested structures and we had to form three separate times for those timers and it was completely worthless for, you know, 90% of them and whatnot. Yeah, and the the exception to that is when you get into wormhole space and things kind of break down. So how this particularly impacts wormhole space, first you need to understand that in wormhole space, especially in low-class space, which is where I personally live, there isn't much reason to have anything larger than a medium structure. You can't take capitals in or out of anything below a C5. So four of the six classes of wormholes, capitals just never go in and out. Some corpse will build them and will have Fortizars and Asbells and that sort of thing, but it is purely like a flex type deal, like the, the Keepstar in a C2 as an example. It is not something you're going to use uh, in most cases. So already this is impacting the large majority of wormhole space, especially low-cost wormhole space. And those members don't have as much ability to rack up the income and afford a large citadel. When you hear wormholes, a lot of people instantly think, oh, you're making three bill an hour running capital escalations or with your marauders and C5 sites. Some people do, a lot of people don't. So there, there are different classes of people, just like there are different classes of wormholes. And this particularly hits the ones who are least able to adjust to the change by upscaling their structure. The reason they would want to upscale their structure is because there's one timer now. I personally, I work a full-time job. I have other things outside of EVE Online. I get to log in maybe once or twice a week. It is entirely possible for a group of bombers or a group of marauders to show up and in like two minutes, reinforce the shield timer on my structure. And a lot of groups are doing that right now just to see what the final timer is. They have really no intention of coming back and hitting it, but it's possible. And then for me as an owner, because I only have that one armor timer, it's go time. Like, I am getting evicted if I don't arrange for defenders to come in, if I don't start prepping, if I don't try and sort of poor control. Like, I could lose my home and all of my stuff because there is no asset safety in wormholes. So as a defender, as an owner of a medium structure, it is very, very, very easy for somebody to come in, just troll reinforce my structure, 
and then suddenly I'm losing an entire weekend trying to not lose my space. On top of that, I have less of an opportunity to try and not lose my space. Effectively, the amount of time a defender has to prep is cut in half here, which if you're an eviction corp or someone who likes to kill these structures, that's great. It means you're spending half the time killing them off. But as a defender, I don't have that time to try and hire some mercenaries or call in some friends or bat phone or force the defenders to rage roll, make a mistake and lose hold control. There's just so much lost here from a defender perspective for me personally, if this change goes through, like I'm moving out of wormhole space, it is not possible for me to live in wormhole space because I can't afford a Fortizar and there's no reason for me to anyway. And it's not viable in a, in a citadel, in a medium structure right now. There have been some counterpoints brought up about comparing this back to the way pauses used to work. So pauses had no damage cap. They had the single timer and it was about a similar duration to this day and a half if you did max Strunt. The difference between a pause and a citadel is a pause defended itself, and you could choose its fitting. So for the fuel cost, to get a similar fuel cost between like citadel or pause, there are some differences there, but you could fit up a Death Star pause or a Dick Star pause, and it would be very difficult to reinforce it, especially if somebody tried to bring in bombers. Only a stupid person would fit their pause such that bombers could come in and reo it in 30 seconds. But if I'm not online 24-7, any group could come in and reo my, my citadel within a few minutes in a group of bombers. So it's just, they are comparable to an extent, but it breaks down in terms of having that defense by default of a pause versus a citadel, which if there's no one in it and you can tell, you can shoot it without having to worry. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a wormholer by any stretch of the imagination, but I know many times when wanting to bash structures, especially if you knew they weren't going to be defended, you and your friends and your bombers just sit there. I did it with war decks. I did it in Vietnam. I've never done it in wormholes, but I do know I have almost died to posses, and I think I actually have actually died to posses. They were super annoying, but I, I don't know. I've been evicted a couple of times. Maybe not a couple. Actually, yeah. So when we left Vietnam, I had to pass some of my assets off to friends to get at home to make sure, you know, I wouldn't miss the super cap train or whatever that keeps our train. But I know like some of that stuff is stressful. Like I was at Eve New Orleans for an extended weekend, like a Wednesday through a Tuesday. Like actually that's like a full week. And like that was one of the things I was like, who do I contract my stuff to? Because I'm not moving it. Like what happens? And to do that for like a weekend, like if you like if you don't log in Friday night or Saturday and then Sunday, you're like, oh, no, my entire structure is burning. What do I do? Like that would be beyond infuriating to me. And like I know wormholers are more of a hardened group. They're also I would say they also scream the loudest when bad stuff happens. But I kind of see why, because this change I don't like. And then they also include Poshvin in it. I think I'd be more OK with it happening in Poshvin than I would any others. But I also know Poshvin's a thousand times easier to get to than somebody's home wormhole system. Absolutely. And that was something that was brought up by the wormhole groups is it's going to slow down PvP if you're trying to PvP from a medium structure because there's no guarantee if you get potted out, it takes you less than a day to get back in. So you could very well take your corp out on a roam, everybody dies, but your hole got rolled and now you're stuck and you're evicted. It's, it's even something that's already done for evictions. People will keep spies or alts in wormholes, look for when the group goes out on a roam or on a fleet or whatever, and launch an eviction attempt then. But this just, the, reduce, the reduction of the time and the opportunity the defenders have to get back is much 
but hit on some other points that were brought up by people who are happy with this change or are just like girl wormholers for whatever reason stop crying there's the argument of just use tartara tartaras are giant targets if you launch a tartara in wormhole space it'll get reowed faster than an astrohouse because that is a juicy kill mail people tend to do reactions in them and moon mining which is a bunch of loot if you're talking wormhole space with no asset safety so if, if you put up a tartara you're probably going to lose a tartara regardless of these changes. It's just not really a viable option. And again, that is still a, a massive increase in the cost, the upfront cost you have to do to live in a wormhole. What about, so I know they changed, did they change the 1.5 days? Like, did they make the timer shorter than it, they made the timer shorter than it was now? Yes and no. So in total, including the armor and the structure timer, it's much shorter now with the, with the structure timer removed. I... I'm 99% sure I'll have to double check that the previous armor timer was 24 hours plus or minus three versus the 1.5 days, which was the structure number. Uh, either way, like this still, wormhole space has always had the shorter timers so that you could do an eviction and maintain hole control over a weekend. It's something that wormhole is requested in particular. It's just this change now cuts it down way, way, way shorter and removes that timer opportunity where there's no way to tell, is this a troll attempt where they were just checking my timer? Or is this an actual eviction and I have to care? I think is the biggest thing for me. You could like put this timer in, cut it in half, stick another thing in the middle. And that, that tells me as a defender, oh, they actually intend to do something here. That was, for me, the reason to have an armor timer is I know whether this is just a troll checking my timer who is bored trying to pick a fight or they're actually intending to kick me out is whether they follow up there. So, so as a wormholer, you want all three timers. The days in between doesn't matter too Absolutely, much in the grand yeah. scheme. Okay. And it, like, I can understand how in Nullsec that can be annoying, having to show up to three different timers if the structure is undefended or nobody's living there. But as somebody who is living there, I need to have that follow-up of somebody's committed to killing this thing. If you're evicting a wormhole, you're going to show up for all three timers. You don't care that there are three. You care about the total duration of the amount of time you have to maintain hole control. If you're out in Nullsec, that hole control isn't a thing, you don't really care that much, it's just how many times do you have to show up. So it's a completely different mindset and perspective on what is important when you're reinforcing structures. For F1 monkeys in, and ping warriors in Nullsec, it's how many times do I have to show up. For wormholers, it's how long do I have to be online 24-7 maintaining hole control. So it's an entirely different perspective an entirely different world. I think they already have an established mantra of changing the duration of the timers, make this longer, put that second one in. That's my personal opinion. I know a lot of people will disagree with it, but that's that's my personal feedback. Yeah, and I know so I know CCP is gathering feedback on this. So and I've as far as I'm aware, a lot of wormholers have spoken up both directly to CCP and, and on, on other social media related to Eve. My other question then is Oh, no, now I forgot my other question. Oh, so a lot of this was discussion. So I was talking about Faithabolus and glassing of regions like Tribute and Delve and whatnot. But a lot of that, a lot of Nullsec players are like, okay, we have to show up to these three timers. There's so many structures, right? Like every moon has an Athenor. There's always like a Fortizar on gates and all this. Is that common in wormholes? Do you guys have, is it normal for wormholers to have a lot of structures or is that just... Is that something like exclusive to Hard Knocks who had two keep stars? Yeah, that's that's pretty much exclusive to Hard Knocks who had two keep stars and we're, we're flexing. Especially because wormholes don't have big money moons. You do have 
low-end moons, which can be mined and are somewhat profitable. But most groups aren't going to be putting Athenors on all their moons. Most groups aren't even going to have a ton of structures. They'll have the one industry structure. Maybe if they're doing industry, they'll have their home structure, probably an Astor House. And that's about it. On average, the wormhole will have a single structure, maybe three. You're not talking dozens. That is a Nullsec or a C5 wormhole corp who doesn't care about this change because they're living out of Fortizars anyway. Okay, so... Okay, because that, that was going to be my question then, because I know CCP made this change purely, or not purely, but one of the reasons was to help with the structure spam. So this, I mean, if it's not an issue in wormholes, then I don't see why it should, like, wormholes oh, yeah. should change it. Yeah. As soon as abandonment structures came in, and so you could kill an abandoned structure in wormhole space in one shot, like, there are no abandoned or low power structures in wormhole space that I have seen. They're all already dead. If your structure goes abandoned, there is enough traffic that someone will see it and someone will kill it almost immediately. It's just the, the structure spam is not a thing because nobody has the incentive to fuel them. And if they go unfueled, they're killed for the loot. If you want to reduce structure spam, spam in NullSec, hate me for it, but remove asset safety. That's how you deal with structure spam. I mean, and they they started moving towards that. That's how the abandoned mechanic came to be and whatnot. Yep. So... All right. So, yeah, I'm curious to see if CCP is going to like, first of all, when they're going to implement this and if it's going to like what changes they'll make, because I'm assuming they they posted this for more feedback. I know we are we did have an update lately to structures, and I think that one's going in live before FanFest. But I don't know if this Siege Green is going in before FanFest or not. Yeah, the, the structure update, which changed the ammo and the PDS and the effectiveness of bombs and that sort of thing. Most of that change is already on TQ now. I believe the one change that isn't yet is the ammunition requirement for PDS. They seeded the ammo blueprints and everything. They're just giving people time to build, and then they will implement the requirement to use. Yep. Well, one thing I think about that will affect NOSEC. I wouldn't say in a negative way, but on armor timers, people are more... You give, me, uh, you give people easier time to drop capitals because after the fight is done, you can tether back up to a structure. Even though it's a medium structure, you can still tether. You can, then you can jump out back to, let's say, a 40 starting range or a keep starting range. But right now, if the timer is final timer, then if the structure dies, if their dictator is on, on grid, so the capital will get bubbled on grid. So I guess... In some ways, less incentive for people to drop capitals, even on structured defense, not necessarily offense. Yeah, I agree with that because, like we were talking about earlier, most people don't defend the shield. Like it's too difficult to gather get, gather together a group, and if it's a the person reinforcing is a small group, you can usually do that with the structure's defenses already. But like at the same time, if your if your structure has armor and hull as one, and you know you used to use the armor for the tether. There's really no incentive to like even if you're doing a like maybe not caps, but even if you're doing a subcap fleet on a structure, like there's no point in like orbiting around and picking your position and then firing. I know, I know we fought. I say we Panfam like PL and NC went up to help fraternity fight boss, and that was a lot of boss's tactic. Like they didn't have to worry. Like they did propless feroxes because they're like you know we don't need a prop. We're sitting right here on the structure. We don't have to move. They do. And so, like, that was their strategy, and it worked. Like, it was a really good strategy. But, like, that kind of gameplay may just go away now because we they obviously fought on the armor timer, but now the armor and the hull are going to be the same for the medium structures. Yeah, and there's some discussion a little bit in chat about how this impacts high sec. 
it will impact ISEC where there are again a lot of medium structures out there, in particular war HQs will be an interesting dynamic with you can reinforce a war HQ in like two minutes and then come back 24-ish hours later if you time it well and there's your final timer. So it is very hard for an aggressor in a war deck to defend if they aren't always prepared to defend. That's something I'm personally uh, like happy with because it makes it more difficult for um, attackers of a war deck, the aggressors, to do a war deck and then if they if the defenders try to attack the HQ, the attackers have time to bring in allies, to bring them in and add them to the war deck, declare war as well. That's not really possible. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if I see this change to like a day and a half, because if you time this right as an attacker, you could make it literally impossible for the owner of the war HQ to bring in friends without having them join directly into the corporation who owns the war HQ. Um, I'll have to double check some mechanics there with war deck ex experts, but that's an interesting dynamic to have in play if you have some smart attackers. It, that, this, this change cracked me up. So for those who don't know, PL got war decked a bunch last year. And I was like, you know what? We can fight war decks, guys. So I was the person flying out and using like bomber tactics to fight them. And then like feeding relentlessly. Like I fed a Lashak to like a single Astra house with Lodgy, by the way. It was really infuriating. I'm like, how the heck does this happen? But it's funny because like we we would notice that like like because PL, that was like a time when PL was kind of bored. And I was like, whatever, dude, like, let's go have fun. And so we would go out and fight. And like, if we reinforce the shield timer, it's like, okay, then we got to do armor. And then we got to do hole. No big deal. We can do that in a week during a war deck. And then they would just cancel the war. And it's like, oh, okay. Like really cool. I guess I didn't realize that could happen. And so then we would try to declare a war on them. And then it was like, we had like five dudes, you know, just a bunch of, I don't know, bored on a weekend or whatever, going out to try and fight and their single structure would defend themselves. And I was like, this sucks, dude. I hate this game. But like, it was, it was so frustrating. But like, now I'm hopeful that, it gives defender or like defenders of a war an actual incentive to attack because in the past war deckers would just cheese it and it was super frustrating. So I'm kind of the one thing I'm happy about is the war deck mechanic. The high sec one, that's only for war decks and that's the non HQ. So if somebody wants to go and just bash somebody's stuff who hasn't, you know, like let's say it's abandoned and they go AFK, like I can see that like being a bit more beneficial. Yep, and again, it's it's a fairly long duration, four and a half days, plus or minus three. Somebody who's logging in once a week, twice a week, they're going to be able to see it. Depending on how lucky they get, they may not see it with enough time to call in defenders. But if, they're, if their structure is fueled and whatnot, they're probably not getting bashed in. To that point, I still feel like high-sec Wardak mechanics needs to be fixed a little. Like, instead of just Wardaking no-sec people every single day, like, it should be a little bit more meaningful than that, right? I mean, stop being such juicy targets. Teach your members how to fly in high-sec with a Wardak. Or get an L to, like, double thing. Yep, that too. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice if... I always feel like Wardak should... Like, the ideal Wardak situation is, like, red versus blue. Like, I don't know, that just seems like... Like, so much fun. And it's not just cheese, like like you said, like alts. Like, if I war deck someone, they shouldn't be able to use alts to, like, scoop loot or bump me or to whatever. Same with, like, like me. Like, if I'm in an ulsec alliance and somebody war decks me because they see me flying to Jeetle, I shouldn't have to be like, oh, let me just use my alt. I think that's so cheesy, but 
that's kind of like the Eve metagame we're in. And well, as frustrating as it is, it's still a, it is what it is. And for those unfamiliar with what Red versus Blue is, it was a long-running mutual war. So there were two groups, Red Alliance, Blue Alliance, or was it Blue Federation? I forget exactly. Yeah, something like but that. They they exclusively lived in high sec and they war decked each other and they said, hey, everyone, join each side. They had sort of in informal rules of engagement in terms of pod use and that sort of thing, killing pods. But it was just, if you wanted PvP in high sec versus other people who wanted to PvP in a similar way as you, not the scummy trade hub camping, then you would go join the group and that's what you would do. There are quite a few players who got their start in PvP by joining Red versus Blue, or maybe that's where they went to after they graduated from EUni or something like that. It was a low entry point with a very interesting and cool dynamic. I'm not actually sure if they're still running or as active as they used to be, but yeah, they, when... they shut it down as far as I know. That's unlucky. When the, the war deck revamp happened, it was an explicit point to allow mutual wars to be a thing to enable red versus blue to continue to happen. So it is, it is very much a touch point within Eve's history and something a lot of players have personally experienced if they've been around for a few years. Yeah, that's, that's great. I knew, I knew the, one of the ladies who ran it and she did an awesome job at giving them, giving them what they needed and teaching players. So I think that covers, without going further into like wormhole discussion, I think that covers the majority of the structure changes from the Siege Green update, unless you guys had something more to add? No, that's all I got. Like, please, yeah. please don't do this. If, like PSA, this flex structures are not medium structures, so check yourself. And yeah, this is this is going to be a mess for wormholes. Will I sincerely hope CCP takes the feedback to this as they have in some occasions on the past. The fact that they have been explicit about we want feedback here and they were responsive to feedback on previous patches. I'm hoping they hear us here. My biggest concern is I don't see an easy fix. I'm not sure if it's even possible for them to say, okay, there are three timers in wormholes, but two timers everywhere else. So I'm I'm just not sure that it is possible to find a good solution here. The best solution I have is not a particularly good one. If you want to enable the rest of space to have the solutions that this change is proposing for them. So that there's the feedback. I don't have good solutions. I'm not sure anybody in the community does. They're just hopeful that the paid designers at CCP can take the feedback and run with it. Yeah. And at least like if they can't come out with something quickly, hopefully they delay it then to make it better. Better or tell they can get a fix and I I've seen them do that before. The the segue now, the last thing we have is the MER. Do you guys want to discuss the MER? There's a lot of the MER. Yeah. I, there I is a lot and we are running long too. I know. I was gonna say we can save the MER for the industry talk. I know the big thing that's worth calling out that some folks may notice is Horde moving their their staging. So it was in R R10. Yeah, R1O and the Kavala Expanse, and then they moved to Peregrine Falls. And so folks may notice that. I know Gerg has been analyzing that on our end. He's uh, he's huge into the MER. I'm not much of an MER person, so I don't know, Shen, if you're an MER person being industry, or if maybe you want to save it till the, like till further points this weekend. Let's just save it <laughs> for now. MER is a lot of like past analyzing, but like the industry one is looking more looking towards future. So it's very different right now. Yeah, so, and I don't think, from what I can tell, I don't think there was anything too outstanding from the MER either. So I want to say, I think think the other thing people are noticing is people are still mining. I think that was like the big change from the mining changes back in 
winter. I want to say I want to say December, but I probably have that wrong. But then like that's still improving and going up. Yeah, that's something Kenneth Feld pointed out, and I want to try and find the graph for it. It was that with the mining changes, they expected the amount of ore being mined to go up. And they saw it rising and continuing to rise as opposed to hitting a plateau. And I can't quite find the specific graph for that. I wonder if it would be this one, which doesn't seem to be showing the same thing. It shows the initial spike when the changes hit, and then it's leveling off. So I'll have to double check with Kenneth what he was referring to there in terms of mining increasing and not hitting a plateau, because I, I don't understand. Yeah, and with um, I was gonna say with the new capital stuff coming out, we should see industry starting to go up as well as more. I would say more industri- industrial, what you might call it, activities, so mining, etc., PI, and I, yeah. So well, oh, we'll see. I'm sorry. Now I understand. So the the specific reference point that he was referring to was pre the full revamp, so pre the changes to add in residue and all of that stuff. So that would happen back in December. You can see on the graph that I've got on stream where residue is added to the graph as a negative value for volume of ore mined. So when that happened just before the start of December, if you look at the graph, it is continuing to rise, even in this like local lull after there was a massive spike at the end of February for some reason. I don't know what happened there. I think that one is the uh, changes to the miners and like the module. And oh. So... The way I think double the war, I think uh, there's a yeah. big patch there, and that one costs a lot. Of. And if you look at the this graph there, the huge chunk that's a blue high sec. Reason being, people mine a lot more Valspar, and then like say uh, drawing or whatever, like the ABCs in NoSec, and that's why I see the giant giant blue chunk. Uh, yeah. All right, that makes sense though. Right. And also next month, well, for, for this month, actually for April, one can expect, let's say, very high commodity sale with the the hunt event ending tomorrow. If you're watching this live, uh, it ends in a few hours. And with that, we're going to see a, probably a spike in the amount of Wolverine effect being sold. Uh, but also, I think, I think, I don't know if the mining chains changes like the ones we talked about uh hobo leaks and all that stuff is going to be implemented tomorrow because what it seems like from the scope video it seems like it's going to be right after the hunt event whatever they're talking about the caldera thing so that's what i'm expecting like maybe we're going to get a taste of it because i don't see a point of them teasing for so long for like a month of time like they did last year for the for the uh industry stuff it makes sense to just get people to know what's going on and then let let them start building because people are, are right now all excited they have all the materials ready just holding on to it it's like when you whenever you're implementing those changes people are going to start building right away but we just don't know when that will be at this point maybe it's tomorrow maybe it's like next two weeks maybe it's after fan fest who knows yeah yeah it would be nice just to because a lot of people, especially with blue blueprint changes and people, you know, trying to anticipate it, it would be nice if CCP implemented it sooner rather than later. The only thing is, as long as they can do the blueprint changes without doing the structure changes, because I know people are, yeah, yeah, giving feedback on that still. And also, it's a, a PDS ML thing. I think it's also going to get implemented. I think they said that, right? I think April nineteen uh, sounds right for that. Yeah, because the. The ammo, the blueprint itself, got seeded two weeks ago when the hunt started. 
And by then, I think they were talking about like just seeding it two weeks after when the hunt ends, if I remember correctly about that one for timing. Yeah, that would make sense. And you're right about the lore stuff with the scope video, because the whole lore around the hunt was the stealing and the changing of the blueprints, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it says it's only specific towards the Phoenix, but like since it got leaked to everyone, I guess, and then all the empires, everyone else knows about it, and all the factions all knows about it, and that's how it got like spread out. And like, I just make up stories for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah, Artemis has it. it. Is it says a future patch this month, scheduled April nineteen. So that yeah, could okay. be a small patch, tomorrow. or that could be a big patch. So we'll have to keep our eye out for tomorrow. If you see half hour not able to log in, yeah, just know that it's implemented <laughs> hopefully implemented with no more bugs or other errors that stuff breaks okay, there will be tomorrow you can you can expect all kinds of bug reports yeah that, that'll definitely happen that always happens though with new updates it's it's inevitable Alrighty. so anything else to add shen around what we've discussed already i know you're our, i call you our subject matter expert because you're way smarter at this stuff than i am i will take silence as a no Artemis, do you have anything besides leave wormholes alone? Can I say leave wormholes alone another time? And by leave wormholes alone, I mean fix them, please. Like, don't forget about us when you make changes. I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious there. There are, like, CCP Aurora, as an example, has been a talking point because they are a member of a wormhole corp. It's also been a talking point that their corp is specifically an eviction corp, so they very much benefit from these changes as opposed to suffer from them like myself, but that's another topic altogether. Just, I hope they take the feedback as they have taken it from Nullsec players in the past and find some sort of solution that I don't have on the top of my head. Yeah, hopefully. I've CCB has done well so far. Let's hope they keep up the trend of iterating on their changes as well as adjusting to player feedback, especially when it's, when it's valid and constructive. With that, we will send you guys off and then see you within six, five, six. Do you count today? We'll see you Sunday to discuss more with industry. We'll go, we'll take a deep dive. Hopefully we'll have Shen on again, as well as a few other industry experts to kind of let you know what I definitely don't know. <laughs> <laughs>